Lionel Messi is currently 30 years old, and in a piece published last week on umaxit.com, uh, Seb, you discuss the world post-Messi. Um, in it, you suggest that we won't truly know the volume of the space that he occupies in the game until he steps away. But if you had to guess, uh, what do you think the, the game will look like? And also I'm wondering if you think there'll be a levelling out effect in the instance that no one rivaling his ability comes along. So, if, you know, if we're not expecting to see someone... Uh, quite as great as Messi for the next decade or so. Do you think that we'll we'll forget quite how good he was? I don't think um, I don't think we'll forget how good he was because I, I don't think traditionally that's actually what happens to to great players. Um, I think um, in the sort of the interim period after their retirement, there's a little bit of a, uh, a kind of a, a moving on process. But then, uh, as the decades go by, the memory tends to get embellished. Um, as for what the game will look like, I I I, I it's very hard to say because uh, one of the um, one of the features of Messi has always been, I mean, his excellence has always been has always seemed very routine. Uh, there seems never to have been a time when you couldn't turn on to a Barcelona game and he wasn't in the middle of scoring a hat trick. Um, and over any length of time, that that kind of ability, um, you know, breeds complacency, uh, and it 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 ends up becoming rather mundane. I think it will just be rather an odd feeling. I think that um, you know Messi is a is a very universally appealing player because um, there are very few people who like the game who would not enjoy watching him. Um, in fact, it, it would be rather bizarre. I mean, I, I know there's that very strange, angry binary situation between him and the, the fans of Barcelona and Messi and, and Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, acolytes, which I've never really understood, to be honest. But generally speaking, he's a um, yeah, he, he's one of those things that, that, that everybody, one of the players who everyone, everyone can enjoy, like a, like a fireworks display. You know, no one doesn't like that. You know, it's like I, a, have to dis- I have to disagree, Seb. You, you don't like fireworks. It's interesting that you talk about consistency there, uh, breeding complacency. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it's a shame that that happens with footballers. But I thought, I suppose, you know, if that didn't happen generally, we'd all be standing around staring at mobile phones and satellites with our mouths wide open, unable to believe it. So I suppose that's that's the nature of how we adapt to things. Um, what I found interesting about the article uh, was about how you describe Messi's importance to football. And you've touched on it there a little bit, you know, talking about how consistent he was with hat-tricks and things like that. But also in the article, you quantify it in, in moments more generally, really. Um, and you say it's highly likely, for instance, that within half an hour of watching a Barcelona game in which he's playing, the viewer will be rewarded with something, a goal, a turn, a defence scattering run, something which reminds them of sport at its finest and in doing so stokes their love for it, which I think is is actually a really accurate way of describing what makes a, a good footballer. And I'd never really thought about it in that way before, but I suppose it's you know, really, it's entertainment value per pound that you're spending, really. And I guess uh, that definitely, you know, if you if you use that uh, that value to, or if you use that metric to kind of denote a player's value, then clearly Messi has to be the most entertaining player currently uh, in the game, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think actually it's one of those things that goes right to the heart of sport and that, you know, one of the reasons, okay, forget... Um, Forget your your tribal reasons for going to a stadium or you know watching a game on television or you know where, whatever sport that may be. I I think sort of um, the essence of of, uh, of any sports fan's enthusiasm lies in the hope that they'll see something they've never before that they've never seen before. I think, for instance, you know if you if you if you look back at sort of future greats across different sports, 
you you tuned in to watch Usain Bolt run the hundred meters because you hoped he might beat the world record. You know, it's the sort of the the, the tease of something new. You know, um, same was probably true of Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. You know, these these guys that transcend their sports. Um, there, it's not just about domination. You, you don't you don't want to watch Leo Messi just for the sake of watching him uh, accumulate hat tricks. Uh, you might. I mean, there, I I think there was. I forget which team it was against. I think it might have been Espanyol last season, um, where he he sort of he slammed them between about six different players on the edge of the box within maybe about two square two square meters. It's an astonishing bit of skill. Um, it's a sort of rapid zigzag, and it's 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 that. It's not necessarily the game that you remember. It's not necessarily his literal effect on it or whether Barcelona won. It's kind of it's that moment that lives on, and I I, I think. He more than anybody um, provides them uh, certainly provides them more regular pace than anybody currently playing the game today. That's 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 also an interesting uh, thing to consider about the modern world as well. Is that I suppose the aim of things like football um, or entertainment generally is to uh, you know is to wow the crowd. I suppose, and you feel like with uh, you know people who are alive today, it's much harder to impress people. It's much harder to shock people than it once would have, I guess, with the advent of the internet and with the number of what, you know, 50 years ago would have been incredible scientific achievements that happen every day. Now you sort of read about some, you know, the, the atom being split in a, a newspaper and you go, oh, that's cool. And then you move on to the next thing, you know. So it really is quite astonishing that uh, since, you know, we've been watching football for 100, 120, 130 years and there's a player alive today who can still make the crowd go, I, I can't believe... He did that thing, you know. I think that I think that's really interesting, um, and also I liked what you said about players um, transcending their sport. And you mentioned Michael Jordan there. What I think is really interesting about that is that it's it's arguable, really, that if you look at the sort of greats of the game today, you know, LeBron James, Steph Curry, players like that, they're obviously fantastic at what they do, but they don't transcend the sport in the way that Michael Jordan did. And I don't think you could argue really that anyone currently playing basketball actually does that. So the the requirement for for transcending the sport isn't just being the best player around at the time. There's obviously something else that you need to have. Yeah, well, I you know I I don't know enough about basketball to to to, to say that. What what I do know is that I um the what, the one guy that I always come back to who who doesn't really get spoken about much these days is Bo Jackson. Um, younger younger listeners might not know who Bo Jackson is, but he was um, he he actually simultaneously played baseball and American football uh, for a while, and he was sort of uh, the focus of this um, ubiquitous Nike advertising campaign. As Bo knows you can you can see the advert um, on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, he actually plays good or tries to play guitar with Bo Diddley during it, which is quite weird. Uh, yeah, not 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 a direction you see coming. I think. He's a very good example of it because Bo Jackson actually didn't achieve very much in total because he he, he got hurt and uh, I think he, he he destroyed his hip somehow. Um, but you watched someone like that because he did things that you didn't think were possible. There was this you know huge hulking guy, but also one of the quickest players to ever play in the NFL. I mean, it, 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 an extraordinary kind of spectacle, I think, and. Um, and when 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 that I, there, there aren't many parallels between Messi and and and, and Bo Jackson, it's a it's a very cumbersome comparison. Um, but I think one familiar trait that they share is that this 
this this idea that they could show you something that you haven't seen before and i think that's really important i i think that's really important for sport i think that's i think that's what you know retains people's enthusiasm for it um and And their innocence in some ways as well because i think a little bit yeah you can have i suppose some of the most cynical people in the world and i'm sure some of those people are at football games and as you said, if they I see, think a lot of those people are at football games. <laughs> if you see, you know, Messi sidling between four players, and it's not, again, it's interesting with Messi particularly because that's something that you know we've seen before. He's not really doing anything specifically that we haven't seen before. But I think it's just the the way that he does it, the grace with which he does it. I'm not really sure what it is. I would say, well, yeah, I. I the interesting thing about him is that he doesn't come replete with this sort of great array of tricks. You know, he's yeah. he's not just a bundle of flick flacks and roulettes. Uh, he just um, he he. He's executes. more George Best than Neymar. Um, well, I, I obviously I've only ever seen archive footage of George Best, so it's it's very difficult for me to to, to answer that. Um, but w- he seems to be one of those players that is just an example of what uh, of how far you can go just by mastering the basic principles of the game, close Mm. control and awareness and touch and passing and and shooting. Because rarely does he stray beyond that, those boundaries. Rarely does he do anything that you think, you know, that is, that belongs on a, um, you know, a street football playground or in one of those cages or, Mm. you know, he's not that kind of footballer. And I, I think I'll always gravitate towards that a little bit because it's, it's bizarre as it it seems to say, uh, it's a little bit more relatable. Yeah. You know, you know, you don't, you, you, I, you, <laughs> you can't do those tricks either. Yeah, you, I, and and not only can I not do them, I cannot, I, I can possibly foresee a situation in which I could, no matter what <laughs> I did, no matter how long I spent with the ball, you know, outside, I, it just it, it could never happen. And so I think there's a sort of, um, yeah, I think there's a, a human quality at work there as well. We should mention Cristiano Ronaldo as you do yeah. uh, in in the article, in part to uh, assuage. Uh, you know, people who might be reading it and being upset that he's not being mentioned. Um, but I don't understand those people. I mean, I, 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 I'll, I'll let you finish your question, but I, I, those people, it, it's almost as if, you know, to, to, to declare uh, appreciation for one of these guys is inadvertently to say that you loathe the other. It's very strange. Yeah, but I guess I guess that's because uh, it seems to me that most people, or certainly most people who have that conversation, also uh, like to pick a side, which is obviously completely unnecessary. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I note from the article that you, you feel that his departure won't quite have the same effect on on the sport as a whole as as Messi's, and I wondered if you could explain that. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Um, well, first of all, look, I, I I've seen Cristiano Ronaldo play um, uh, in real life, and he's obviously among the very best players I've ever seen and that was actually before he reached what I would probably consider to be his peak so you know there's, there's, no, there's no question about his footballing value and, and obviously he shares he rightfully shares a stage with Messi what I meant was that uh, he's a more antagonistic character uh, just on the field of play for, you know forget who they are as people I think Ronaldo um, the footballer is a, a slightly three-dimensional slightly more three-dimensional character in the sense that um, if you, his facial expressions his body language um, the actual way in which he plays the game, I think lately you'd, you'd also include uh, the the perception of his relationships with teammates. Certainly, um, you know the whole world is aware of what his of, of what a Gareth Bale goal will do to his expression. For instance, there is whether true or not, the perception is that you're dealing with an astronomical ego, um, and I think um, it, it's it's the game will miss Ronaldo, the footballer. Because how could you not? He's he's a fabulous player, 
Um, but I think the sort of the residual um, resentment that exists around him will kind of soften that. I think Messi, as a result, Messi is a sort of, you know, I, I, we have no idea what these people are like as actually, you know, as actual people. All you can do is judge them on their playing personalities. And I think Messi comes across as the more benevolent of the two by quite some distance. Um, Ronaldo, you know, you will miss his goals, you will miss his free kicks, and, you know, you, you will miss, I kind of, he, he, he's very much a sort of, headlining act isn't he he's the he, he is a he is a reason to buy a ticket however you can understand why some people will you know not miss him being there anymore yeah and i think it's it's and, um, and, and he, he likes a dive let's be honest um <laughs> hey, he, uh, but, uh, but, hey it, it's balancing it out i have seen Lionel messi dive as well I, I i i've seen it too i think that it's it's something you you associate more with ronaldo yes. um and i think that if people wanted to make that case they could quite easily say that you know they will survive a, a football world without him being in it. I think, um, the, the, yeah, the, the evidence is probably out there uh, for that. It's not a commentary on what he is as a player because who has who doesn't enjoy who hasn't enjoyed what he's achieved? Not what it's meant in terms of you know what it's allowed Real Madrid, Manchester United to do, but just seeing someone that has been that dominant over that period of time is, and, is, and a, also, is a real privilege. I think you know it's it's interesting uh, that we talked before about Messi not really having um you know an ego that's as inflated but that does translate into different players on the pitch you know i often think back to when ronaldo played for manchester united and scored that 45 yard goal against porto in yeah. the champions league yeah so astonishing and goal yeah i just think you know the keeper wasn't even that far off, off of his line and i just think you know the level of ego that you need <laughs> Uh, that, that's required just to, try to even that. try that. I think this is the sort of thing that Lionel Messi never would have tried, and that's to his credit as well. But you know, they they really are chalk and cheese, and you sort of you get totally different um, entertainment value out of watching Ronaldo. I think he's much more part of the of the soap opera than than, than Messi is. Um, I, I I think so. And I look one of, one of the things I didn't put into the article just for the sake of time was that. You know, this isn't necessarily a reflection, a true reflection or an accurate reflection of either, because actually, you know, one of one of the, the, the misunderstood notions about Ronaldo is that he is a, you know, a, a, an egotist on and off the pitch. Whereas in reality, he's someone that, you know, has paid for a lot of children's surgeries and, um, you know, he, he's come from very humble beginnings and is, by all accounts, extremely good to his family and, you know, people close to his family. And, look, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, Messi as an egoless character, well, it's not really true. He's a very strong um, dressing room presence at Barcelona. And um, obviously, uh, we're not going to mention it specifically for libel reasons. But, you know, there, there's, there are issues about uh, his tax. And, um, you know, he, he, we're not trying to present him as a saint. Um, and Ronaldo is, is his, his sort of, um, you know, his opposite. Whereas uh, football just, does, really. And I th- that's interesting that they... Football tries to, though. Well, they Joe. exist in the same era. And, you know, you, you have to... You have to really sort of go back quite far to 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 a point where you find two players who you know may m- might possibly exist in the sort of top five best footballers of all time existing so close to one another they they're almost you know almost like a you know one requires the other to exist i I wonder what their um what their their makeup would be if it weren't for the other would ronaldo yeah. be seen as the antagonist would would messi be sort of seen as the angelic boy i think i think it's one of the things isn't it i mean you, you get two players of equatable ability who happen to also play for real madrid and barcelona and inevitably this binary relationship is going to going to spring up around them um and that's a shame 
but um, because it has created what we mentioned earlier, this, this sort of perception that you must pick a lane with one of these guys, that you cannot just appreciate what they are. Um, and that, that's, yeah, that is a shame. But um, yeah. I think in some ways as well, Messi is a, a bit more of an enigma because I, I've I've thought before with, with Ronaldo that he's quite similar to someone like Ibrahimovic in that, Mm-hmm. You know, I think getting that good at football uh, and, you know, have practicing that much. And we already talked about his ego and his confidence and stuff. It requires so much from a person to reach the level that he's at, that he's obviously going to have to have put a lot of himself into it. And, and perhaps as a sort of defense mechanism, he's developed this public persona as being a bit of an egotist. And I think Ibrahimovic is the same. You wonder whether... Uh, a player needs something like that in their arsenal to 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 just to reach where they are whereas Messi doesn't seem to have that in the same in the same way and also the other thing to to say about him is that he doesn't really seem on brand uh, in a way that other players are you know i think even someone like neymar um he seems to have a character or an identity separate to that of their reality. Messi, as you said, doesn't really try the tricks, doesn't really have a public persona in the same way that the other you know, top players do. And I wonder if, if he's an enigma there or if maybe he's he's a dying breed uh, of a, you know, a relic of a time sort of pre-advertising uh, and football having such a close relationship. I don't know. I mean, I the only thing I'd suggest is that, uh, is that um, obviously... Of all of those players, only one of them has come through, you know, the, the most famous football academy in the world. Um, and actually, there's a um, there's a, an excellent uh, Graham Hunter book about um, not not about Messi, but about the rise of um, of you know modern Barcelona. Well, actually, not modern Barcelona, not 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 uh, what they are currently, but what they were, what they grew to be under Rijkaard, under Guardiola, and uh, Tito Villanova. Um, and there's some sort of there's there's a uh, a couple of chapters which deal with Messi's time in La Masia uh, alongside Cesc Fabregas and Gerard Piquet, and the um, the character portrayed is actually very shy. I mean, by all accounts, I think Fabregas and, and Piquet thought that for the first year or so that that Messi was actually a mute because um, he just wouldn't speak. Um, as, and uh, obviously, part of that has to do with him, you know, him being Argentinian and him being in a in a foreign country, which he, he didn't necessarily uh, feel at home in and away from his family. Um, but also, I, 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 I think that seems that some of that reticence seems to be in his personality today. Certainly, certainly, his, his playing personality. It's um, there isn't um, there isn't that kind of self glorification DNA that you see in some other players, and, and that you you see in players who are you know not even close to being as equal. To be fair. Um, obviously, Neymar and, and uh, Ibrahimovic; those, those are all players that belong in roughly the same category. But I, 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 I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a very seductive mix. Um, you could argue that, that that you know to add another name to the list. I know he's not having the best season uh, at the moment, but Gareth Bale has a sort of quiet power in, in a similar way. No, I, I wouldn't put Bale anywhere close. I mean, I look, Bale. Bale is a, a great player, and uh, you know I um, I saw him do some wonderful things at Tottenham. Um, but I I think Bale is an example of someone who's just a bit socially awkward. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't I I, I also I if think he had more social skills, he'd be more of a bastard. Um, yeah, well I I I maybe I mean I I just think he is quite an awkward personality. If you listen to him interviewed and hear him speak, he you know he's in every he doesn't really fit the superstar costume. He's tried very hard. In, for instance, look at his haircut and, you know, look at the way he carries himself. He, 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 he desperately wants to fill that kind of 
it's well, I'm guessing desperately wants to fill the, the sort of the Beckham void. You know, the the, the transcendent superstar, and he's he's it just doesn't work because Gareth Bale just looks like a normal bloke. Just <laughs> you know, <laughs> on, on him. Uh, just for a second, let's detour uh, further yeah. into, into Bale Land. Um, you know, you've you've followed Spurs for a long time, so I'm interested to 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 hear what what you think of him. Not specifically his achievements at the moment, but uh, personally, I think it would be nice to watch him more often. And since I don't watch La Liga, I'd quite like him to come back to a Premier League club. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, no, no, I don't think I'd I'd want to see it. Um, I mean, I I don't think I'd even want him back at Tottenham because I think there's a the memory of what he left is is very pure because I certainly in Tottenham's history there are very few instances where a player has been that dominant um, because there were times when we'd watch him and you you you'd see him you know Gareth Bale doesn't actually have a, a big range of tricks he's a, a, an amazing athlete um, and you know he's got incredible sort of five yard acceleration and and able he's able to sustain that acceleration over long periods of a lot long um long distances and it's all very impressive and there were times when we would watch him and you'd think you know exactly what he's what he's about to do the opponent knows exactly what he's going to do and yet they still can't stop him which is As cut a, inside which, and shoot with your left from miles away if you go back onto youtube and you find like a compilation of his goals you'll see sort of this you, you, uh, the, particularly the, the last few. There, there's one. The, the last goal he scored was um, uh, I want to say it was against Sunderland uh, at Hart Lane, um, and there was one a few weeks earlier um, against uh, Southampton, and the, the, the two left backs he's he's facing, and in pretty much the same same place on the pitch, the sort of the, the right channel, they know what he's doing, and they'll have been told by everybody inside them, show him down the touchline, show him down the touchline, show him down the touchline. And it's about 30 yards from goal on both occasions. I think it's Southampton's Luke Shaw. Um, and I forget who the Sunderland fullback was. But in each case, Bell just goes past him. And even though they have compensated and made sure that that is absolutely what he can't do. And it's a very rare place for a footballer to be when, when, when you are that dominant. Um, so I have all the admiration in the world for what Bell did at Tottenham. Um, and I'm not one of those Tottenham supporters who disliked what happened next because the moment he scored the Inter Milan hat-trick he was leaving the club it was just a question of where it was just that's where Tottenham were at the moment and he was heading to somewhere far different maybe under today's conditions under Pochettino and where Tottenham are maybe that's slightly different but I, I don't know I think um, I don't know I mean I I, I, I think um, he's a very hard he's a very hard player to, to categorise um, in terms of English football history because he didn't actually win anything in England Um and so it's very difficult to make a case for him just on the basis of, you know, he had an entire team built around him, which, again, not a privilege a lot of players get, particularly not at big clubs. Um, you, you very rarely, for instance, get a Manchester United player who is the focus of everything a team does, whereas Bale under Villas-Boas, he was Tottenham. You t- it, the, the entire game plan was designed around getting him into one-on-one situations and allowing him the, the opportunity to hurt an opponent. And... um and so, you know, you, you could probably claim that what, what, he, what he produced was a, a slightly false economy. I don't know. I, 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 I think I, Bale, I think maybe is someone in five years time to look back on and, and see where he places. I don't I don't I don't know what he is in relation to the rest of his generation yet. So, I mean, I suppose that that, that describes what 
you would like or not like to happen. What do you think? What do you think you'll do? Because there always seems to be speculation every summer. Yeah, well, I, I, I think eventually um, Real Madrid, uh, maybe within a, a season or two. I mean, the, the noise. The, the, the thing you've always got to consider with Real Madrid is the politics. Uh, and you know more than any more than clubs in England, what people say, what the media say, what the supporters think, it matters because you know re-election um, for presidents. Um, so selling, so selling one of your you know air quotes best players is never never a positive thing. And I no no I I, I don't think it is. But eventually, because Bale is not a Ronaldo or a Messi, he is replaceable. There will be somebody else who, you know. Um, is you know appears in his place within a year or two you could probably make that argument now you you, you might say that um it's slightly strange under different circumstances Real Madrid could have competed with Barcelona for Usman Dembele I mean it's 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 an easy yeah um so I, I yes I'd imagine he he would leave before much longer and and purely on the basis that uh, Premier League clubs have a a greater financial reach than than any other league in the world he, England's obviously uh you know, a, a high percentage destination. What I will say in that is that there's an interesting detail um, that one of the um, one of the conditions of his sale to Real Madrid was for you know, which was sort of inserted to the agreement by um, into the agreement by Daniel Levy was that uh, if they ever sold him, Tottenham would have the opportunity to match the fee. Um, so there's this there's this potential. There, there are still Tottenham fans. There were, there were Tottenham fans this transfer window who thought that Tottenham's inertia in the in the transfer market was about this big bail, you know, yeah. plot twist on the final day. It's the just, homecoming. They need to maybe um, maybe have a have a little read up on what the the club's wage structure is. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I'm sure we'll see him back in England at some point. I don't think you'll see him ever when he as and when he comes back as a player in his late twenties. He's not going to be what he was. Um, That's a shame. It is a shame. It feels it feels in some ways like we've we've you know we've sort of um, missed you know two or three years of of what could have been if you hadn't have gone there. Well, we we have done, but also Bale Bale struggled with injuries a lot, um, as you'd expect from a player who plays with his intensity um, and he runs the kind of distances that he does. His body is starting to break down. He's had back trouble. He's had muscle problems in the sort of the, the top of his thighs. Um, he's not going to be. You know, I would say that his peak is already um, has already passed. He was a he was a bright burning candle. Hey, wonderful player. But, uh, yeah. One one final one final question. Um, what uh, I was thinking about about the, the difference between you know the top players today and and the top players in the past, and not in a way of trying to compare them on the pitch, but more more of um, how they are valued by the clubs, uh, by the sport, and and also how they're looked after really. Um, and I was thinking about George Best as, as a good example of this. You know, when George Best was, was alive, he was at times arguably, arguably, you know, if not the best footballer in the world, then certainly one of the best footballers in the world. And um, he had various uh, personal problems and, you know, he had uh, alcohol addiction. And he was he was really kind of just allowed to, to wander off uh, into that and, and lose what might have been. Um, and I wonder if, if that could ever you know i suppose in very very extreme examples of course but i wonder really if if that could ever happen today with a player like messi the way that they're valued by the club uh, the way that they are very likely look, looked after by the club do you think we're past the days uh, where where they you know people are allowed to do their own thing perhaps where they're more commodities and and insured to the highest degree um yeah i mean you never want to be complacent about that kind of thing uh, and assume that sort of um you know, public, not 
breakdowns, but emotional difficulties are a thing of the past. I think one of the overlooked issues here is that if George Best was to play now, he would be to an extent inhibited by his own visibility. I mean, he was extremely famous during his career, of course, but he wasn't extremely famous during a social media age, a total information age, um, you know, sort of amateur journalists ultimately everywhere. You know, George Best now couldn't sit down in a pub, you know, if he was a 25-year-old footballer, you know, as... as which he did and, every and, day. And he, which he, yeah, very sadly he did every day. Um, I, I, and also I think that, um, you know, as much as anything else, Best was probably a victim of the culture that he... Or culture of his profession. I mean, even even as recently as the 90s, uh, English football had a huge drinking culture. Um, and it was kind of accepted. Whereas now I think that if... You know, rather than if, if if you're a member of the public sitting in your local pub and, you know, a group of footballers came in and sat there for the, the entire afternoon necking pints, that would look right, quite bizarre in a way that it probably didn't 20 years ago. You'd be like, oh, you know, the boys are just, you know, bonding, bit of team building, nothing wrong with that. Whereas now you think, well, you've got a game in four days. It's just because we know differently. And also, you know, uh, yes, I mean, there, there would obviously be an army of representatives and PR handlers around someone of best profile now. And, and, um, and the, you know, almost every top club um, has a, a forest of structures which are designed to, uh, to manage that kind of situation or better to prevent it happening in the first place. I think it's a very... I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not... Um, I don't know enough about the causes of this kind of thing um, to, 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 to really comment. But, I mean, it just logically, it doesn't seem like it could happen again. No, and I, and I think as well, with, with George Best as the, as the example, in a way, it's, it's a slightly odd one because really he was, um, you know, one of the first to experience what you could argue as uh, the modern-day experience for a footballer in terms of yeah. being part of advertising campaigns and you know, being a face for branding, and he really paved the way for David Beckham, who took that to the next step. You know, and but I think one of you know at the time it was obviously fledgling ground for footballers. Now it's a much more established route, and I think that uh, you know, I, I suppose the people who are benefiting from that recognise that keeping the player uh, healthy and I well, you know, put it put it frankly, alive for longer means that they're more likely to get more value out of it but I think the thing that just I don't know I watched a couple of documentaries about George Best recently I think the thing that upset me most about it was the idea that he was just kind of used and disposed and there were plenty of people around him who were making an awful lot of money out of him and there was very very little regard if any uh, for for the player himself I wonder if 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 that's the same now or whether as we say those sort of safeguardings around this this kind of practice is going to make sure that that doesn't go to the extremes that it did but um i i mean i, I wonder though i mean the, the, the person i always compare him with not least because they existed at roughly the same time is it, probably um joe namath the new york jets quarterback from from the 60s i mean i you can make very similar arguments about the way they lived their life namath uh, superficially at least looked to be someone um who cared as much about women and socializing um and advertising revenue uh more than he probably did about playing um you know that, that's that was the uh, that's perception not a not a definitive judgment um and Namath later on in his life did have problems with his alcohol but was still able to play his career and function in a way and, and leave a legacy which was uh 
longer, but also purer in a sporting sense than best. I think um, it's very easy in hindsight to sort of to to when something like that happens to an individual to take aim at the people that existed around him or her um, and say that you know you you know you were you were just a hanger on. You should have recognised this and you should have recognised that. I don't know. I, I don't know if we can make that kind of judgment. Um, you know, with uh, with the hindsight that we've benefited from in in the sort of the, the thirty forty years since, because we know a lot more about this stuff. I mean, you remember also that you know uh, as recently as nineteen ninety six, Tony Adams was you know immediately after Euro ninety six, Tony Adams went you know on like a, a four day bender or something, and what it it, it, it took his own sort of emotional breakdown to to kind of penetrate that there weren't people around him saying you know we'd you know he'd uh he'd 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 been to prison by this point so you know it's um there were there are there are a lot of factors and there are a lot of instances in which someone a you know a friend a relative uh you know a teammate could have jumped in and tried to intervene but no one did and so i think that the responsibility is ultimately the individuals and i i i i don't know enough about george best to to say with too much confidence but I always feel as if that kind of scenario is the consequence of the actual the individual's personality itself. Yeah, um, I think that, I think that's 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 fair, and, and also yeah, you're right that it's difficult to judge these situations with with retrospect. With today's I think. knowledge, I mean, it's it's because we we know so much more, and we there are so many more examples of 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 what can be done to to help people and what can be done to treat them, and there are also all these caveats about what happens to someone if it's not treated or if it's not you know. Um, if there's no intervention and um, I don't know I, I, I yeah it, it's a very hard thing assigning blame for that kind of situation is is almost impossible I think and I, yeah I guess I guess the reason that, that that I feel so strongly about it or that people feel strongly about it is is often because uh, these footballers were originally uh, kids who were you know often leaving their family from an earlier age than than kids might normally do who were put in you know uh, the hands of of other people who really you know could have i suppose been more more responsible as you say it's very very difficult to um, and you know they 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 skip their childhood and they're given a lot of money and sometimes that leads to bad things of course it does um but yeah i mean i i think it, it's going to sound terribly callous this but i think someone like george best was um take take the, the personal tragedy away from it I think that was a lesson maybe the world needed to learn about how you, what can happen to someone uh, without the right care, um, but also what the warning signs are for someone. You know, well, look at Gaza. Enormous... I mean, the world didn't learn it. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily compare Best and Gascoigne. I think, I, I think Gascoigne was. Um, I don't know. The, the, the more, more I learn about his childhood and some of the things he saw in his childhood. Yes, I, I agree there, there are some similarities and, you know, the, the overexposure uh, was not good for him whatsoever. Of course it wasn't. But I think you were dealing with someone that needed to be in a psychiatrist chair. Um, you know, you know, don't we all? Well, <laughs> in that voice, yes, you do. But I, I guess going, um, Oh, that that is a tragedy. Um, but again, I, I'd also say that was that 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 was a, a tragedy. Um, very easy to blame the press, and the press have done some dreadful things to him. Um, they really have. But I I, I think um, his fragilities uh, are or were his responsibility, um, or not his responsibility, but the responsibility of people around him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the world. Um, yeah, 
Very, very difficult, very tough. I mean, we, we still don't, um, yeah, even now, 2017, we still don't really know enough to have a definitive opinion. But I, I don't know. I, always criticizing um, the media for, for the way they handle people and for the way that uh, they kind of multiply these situations. I, I think it's a little bit of a soft option. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, that's very depressing. Uh, so I'm going to ask yeah. you a final question. So that, a so cheery that, final question. Yeah, maybe. I don't have to cry when we finish yeah, this. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, uh, it's also a question that you can't possibly ever answer. So uh, I want to bring it back now to football's angelic boy, Lionel Messi. Um, I know it's impossible to compare players from different eras, um, but go on, give it a go. Um, okay, you know why it's impossible to compare it to players from different areas please tell us um because we haven't had the benefit of of watching you know diego maradona or pele uh, over 90 minute games or very few of us have or you know at least you, you you just the volume of football is so different now to what it was you you can't um and also the style of football the pace of football the athleticism all of that i mean if you drop diego maradona into today's game it might be a slightly different story vice versa well, also maybe maybe if if you if you expose diego maradona to modern conditioning um imperatives and you gave him a lighter footballer a, a lighter football um lighter weight boot you you just don't know it's just hey, it's, i mean if i was at peak physical condition i'm pretty sure i'd be a world beater so these are all. I, 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 I've met you in real life, and I, I have to disagree. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that that was ever your path in life. Um, I uh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence there. No, I, I don't. I just don't agree with it. In the same way that I don't agree with people that whatever happens in you know in, in the contemporary world, they will always retain loyalty to uh, some you know whoever in the past. You know that that's kind of things are always better in my day syndrome, mm. and I don't believe. It. I, I, I I don't. Also, I don't really see the necessity in classifying players across generations because why? Who cares? Um, I mean, it's um, well, yeah. you know. I guess mes- hu- I guess humans. I guess humans care without you know being too uh, uh, deep about it. I think we all like to categorize things, and it helps us understand the world. Yeah, but it's it's like saying what what was your favorite Apollo mission? How can you compare them? Because each time they went up, they knew a little bit more. They were better prepared. They they were able to achieve more. You know, it's 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 silly. Um, uh, so no, I'm not going to answer your question. <laughs> uh, before we finish, one final thing: um, we we are launching uh, the, the new website on the first of November. Tifo, Seb, would you, would you like to add anything? You are the the the, the content editor. Would you want to tell people a little bit more about what we're doing on the UMAX site like now? What's going to be happening on the on the Tifo site from an editorial perspective? Yeah. So originally, when when UMAX it was launched. Um, uh, it was never intended to, to, to grow into what it now is with sort of um, editorial arms and YouTube arms and, you know, we'll do all these things. And so um, it was decided that uh, uh, by our, our wonderful benefactor, Neil, um, that, um, that we need an upgrade. And, uh, yeah, we've it's been going on for like three or four months and we think that um, we've built something which, which reflects where the... Uh, where the site is and and the sort of the, the, the quality of output that um, is coming through it, um, certainly, um, yeah, I, I I think the way I phrase it, Joe, is that it, it's sort of we're bringing the the kind of the the superficial details up to a standard that um, that matches the the work that's going into it. We're making it sexy. 
We are indeed. Yeah, yeah. really, really, really are. And also we're going to be adding uh, a couple of different categories like interviews and reviews and stuff that wasn't on the uh, UMAX site yeah. as well. So that's going to be fun for us. Yeah, I think so. And it's um, yeah, definitely, definitely something to look forward to. Um, and hopefully everyone enjoys it. All right, Seb, thanks very much, man. We'll, we'll speak to you again in the next, next couple of months. Okay, mate.